Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. It is a Wednesday morning, October the 13th, day number seven in the month of Mar Cheshvan. The brand new year is 5782. Tufshin Pei Bays. And you know where we are? We're at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. It's day number two of our journey down south, our little uh, jaunt to uh, Florida. Uh, to the Miami Beach area, and you might recall that on Tuesday morning's broadcast, you heard our visit to the uh, Beth Israel congregation down here in Miami Beach. And then today, Wednesday, on this 13th of October, the 7th of Marcheshvan, we are broadcasting from the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. We are the guests of Rabbi Shia Guttenberg and his amazing staff and students a staff that includes 150 faculty members and 700 <laughs> students. It's literally a small town. Which is unbelievable here at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. Now, I was, uh, I was laughing as you were checking to see if your microphone was on. Good morning, Mary Malwallick. How are you, Nathan? And it's literally good morning because even though we're mm-hmm. doing a little bit of a pre-record, which seems to be more popular than ever, yeah. uh, to come up with quality programming and present it whenever you want, which is pretty 2021. I'm so glad we're as hip as we are. We're so cool. Uh, even though we are broadcasting uh, um, uh, in the morning uh, this pre-record, we're actually recording it in the morning hours. We are here toward the beginning of a school day in Greater Miami at the Hebrew Academy and telling the world about what's going on here on a daily basis. We're going to meet a lot of interesting people. Uh, we've had the opportunity, as you know, of course, we've had the opportunity to visit schools in the area where we're from, the New York, New Jersey area. Mm-hmm. We've had that chance. We've and had Atlanta. That. That's right. We were at a school in Atlanta as well. So we've had that opportunity to discuss uh, different schools from our area and from uh, around the country. It's the first time we're focused on a Florida school. And this, frankly is a legendary, historic institution. For sure. Hebrew Academy has been around a long time. I bet you we're speaking right now to many, many graduates, many alumni of the Hebrew Academy who are either still Floridians or have uh, gone to other parts of this country or the world. Uh, so there are a lot of people who have been part of this historic institution for a long time. Rabbi Guttenberg is going to join us. There are, as you can imagine, as beautiful as it looks and as incredible a facility and as school as this is, uh, there are always plans for the future. It's how a school continues to operate at a top level when you're always making plans and trying your hardest to uh, advance and improve on what you're doing. So we'll speak with him about what's happening here at the Hebrew Academy. Plus, we have a whole lineup of great people that we're going to meet today. Plus, they have to facilitate the influx of um, New Yorkers and the variety of other um, Americans, shall we say, who have made their way down to South Florida and relocated. So 
the school being at a number of 700 kids is, shall we say, just getting started. So what you're saying is we're not the only ones who've come down to Florida eight, after 18 months of a pandemic. No, but we're the ones who are leaving. <laughs> um, these are families who are looking to relocate, who have relocated, who are still planning to relocate, and they're all coming down here. And so Rabbi Gutenberg and his Mary Staff, which again seems like a, a small a small town. Yeah, a little army. Yeah, they have they have their work cut out for them, but they're ready and they're building and there's an expansion conversation and a development that's that's taking place just on the other side of this right. of this building, and um, yeah, they they they're ready and they're they're looking to take in as many families as possible. And frankly, they're tasked with it. So here, you know, it's like ready or not, here we come. Now, now we Northerners are not used to this. The heat, the well, humidity. This is a different type of setup for us because automatically, it seems. Yeah. They knew, and most activities I assume that take place happen outdoors. I know. And we are really outdoors, but under the protection of what is this? We call this a vestibule. We call it a lobby. I think it what was is called this exactly? a uh, a breezeway. A breezeway. We are in the breezeway. I'll tell you, that's a way of saying it's hot. Or it's breezy, so it's okay. <laughs> Okay. It's the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami's Breezeway is yeah. where we are. Uh, if you went here as a student, you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly where we're sitting. But all, by the way, all the kids are comfortable. All the adults are comfortable. Everybody's comfortable but us. Yeah. Or I should say just me. The foreigners. Yeah. The, 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 the New Yorkers who are looking at everyone wearing jackets going, what are, you, are you guys crazy? We're the ones having trouble adjusting. It's degrees down here. Um, anyway, so we'll talk all about this yeah. between now and 9 a.m. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN Alpha Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Big hello and good morning to our dear chairman, Ralph mm -hmm. Rosenbaum, who's with us. Ralph made the trip, actually made the trip to Florida. You so make it sound like... What? That it's a long journey? Yeah. I mean, he's been with us on a 14-hour flight to Dubai. That's true. This That's is true. nothing. That's true. If but we can put, you know, if he can put up with us then... Nonetheless, it's a. I still think it's quite an effort. Yeah. And wonderful that he was able to join us for this. And uh, Ralph, good morning to you. Oh, and uh, I apologize. You're going to have to use this for the moment. Oh, uh, we connected my, that one. My well, apologies. Well, meanwhile, for that. we can do our morning shout out to B. Good morning, B. <laughs> Thank you for letting us have Ralph on this trip. We yeah. appreciate you sharing. Always nice to have good, him with us. Good morning, Nachum. Good, good morning. morning, Miriam. Let me tell you, B will tell you, take him any tell you want. <laughs> but let me, let me tell you, for everybody who listened to today's JM and the AM. This morning, This right. morning, today, today, Tuesday, Tuesday Meaning Tuesday, yesterday's. Yeah, Tuesday, yes. Yeah. Yesterday's sure, JM and the AM, right. the, Yes. Yesterday's right. Yesterday, you're right, you're right. I'm getting confused with right. dates. And if you got something out of this, this is... I am anticipating what is going to happen here at the Hebrew Academy. The, the, the meeting, the, meeting the students, meeting the teachers, seeing what they're doing, seeing how they're putting out to, to the Miami group, to the Miami, uh, to yeah. Miami. I think it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful show. Well, Listen, we there's nothing like kids, by the way. Yeah, we agree with you, and it's going to be great. And uh, this is, again, an opportunity for us to highlight an area of the country and a school in an area of the country that we don't normally get to. So. That's for sure. And Makes by the way, nice. I've oh, already... Don't look to your right, Mary Bell. <gasps> oh, cute kids! You're going to be very, very... You're going to be distracted by oh. all these young people who are coming in. What's wrong? Why oh, so sad? I don't think he's sad. He just looks serious. He's like, hey, wh who are these people? Why are there That's people with doing our school? Kids are looking at us. There are people <laughs> in the breezeway. <laughs> exactly. Do we teach them the word breezeway? I would hope. Do they buy it? I would hope. All right. Um, <laughs> Hi, guys. Let's do this. We'll Good do morning. Something, we'll do something brand new for eighth second. Day. I, want you to, I want you to know, Nahum. Yeah. I've already heard the accordion. Oh, and? I love accordions. Sounded as good as ever. Accordions are just an instrument that makes you smile. 
Because you just you sort of can't believe anybody still plays them. Hard not to smile. You know who plays an accordion? Who's that? Richard Joel. There you go. There you go. Former, Little known fact. Former president of Yeshiva University. Correct. More coming up. It is a Wednesday morning broadcast from the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami, and you're listening to JM in the AM. Not every tune I write is a hit song. Not every swing is a home run. Here's what you gotta know before we get started. You win some, you lose some, there's pretty, there's gruesome, there's lows and there's highs, hellos and goodbyes. You win some, you lose some, there's pretty, there's gruesome, there's ups and there's downs, but don't turn around. If you hear me singing this song, you know that I'm trying. All I've got's this promise to keep fighting. A pretty picture trophy smiling If you hear me singing this song You know that I'm trying There's gruesome, there's lows and there's highs And lows and goodbyes You win some, you lose some There's pretty, there's gruesome There's ups and there's downs But don't turn around If I hear you singing this song I know that you're trying All you've got's that promise to keep fighting A pretty picture trophy smiling If I hear you singing this song I know that you're trying your home run the only way to win is to have fun with humble eyes look to the sky the highest highest to try
Brand new 8th day. It's an Alchem Siegel Network and JM in the AM. Wednesday morning officially, even though we're here on a Tuesday at the uh, Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. And we are, we are surrounded by youth. We are surrounded by an incredible collection of young Jewish kids who are ready to, uh, to say hello to us, to perform, to do whatever they have planned during what is called a Mifkad. Mifkad, I guess, would be officially lineup in, uh, in English. And uh, this is pretty remarkable. So how are we doing this? What are we, uh, we're cool? We're ready for Mifkad? Yes, we are ready for Mifkad. Are you ready for Mifkad, everybody? Yeah. All right, everybody, let's stand straight like a chayal. Mr. Shlomik, are you ready? Here we go. Echad, Shtaim, Shalosh. We're pledging allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And
Wow. Unbelievable. Do Half the audience is going to think because we played hot tick for that. The show's over already. <laughs> do we really have to do the rest of the show no. now? How are we going to top that? Can you guys stay all day? Let's hear it for you guys. Come on. Wow. That's pretty amazing. The Mifkad, the opening ceremony, if you will, uh, here at uh, JM and the M. Do we have more? Do we have more? That's it. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And it's um, Shmula. Tadaraba. Thank you so much for that beautiful accordion. Both, both. Are you kidding? Tadaraba, thank you all very, very much. I don't know how you follow that. You don't want to follow kids. I'm telling you, there's no reason to do the rest of the show. We're never going to top that. Thanks for having us. We're never going to top that. This was a halavai, and I don't, I don't want to get to you know what, but halavai every school. Oh my gosh. Halavai every school 100% would do what we just saw and this is not for us this is done every single day at the Hebrew Academy correct where the early childhood younger kids how do you refer to them these days is it early I don't childhood? know if there's some politically correct early, early childhood, childhood. The, early the little kids the early childhood participants oh my gosh they gathered together here right in front of the welcome center of the uh, of the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami and that lineup of the Pledge of Allegiance, oh. of the Star Spangled Banner, of Hatikva, of the Mishaberach. I'm so moved. <laughs> of the Mishaberach, of Am Yisrael Chai, of Oseh Shalom. Amazing. All of that is done on a daily basis. We, I'm thinking now that I need to incorporate that into my daily jab in the AM. It's not even a joke, by the way. When I'm was the serious. last time I pledged the allegiance? No my joke. allegiance to the flag. So it's I so now, great. It's it, we, so great. One thing we do know is we have a lot of educators who tune into this show. We have uh, teachers. We have principals. We have administration members, administrative members. We have students, obviously, parents. Think about what you just heard on oh. the air. Think about on uh, this Wednesday morning, JM and the AM, how the early childhood here at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami started the morning for us, but start their morning every, every day. day with that lineup of, uh, of, of song and presentation. I'm honestly humbled, by the way. I'm humbled and I'm embarrassed that I don't do that every day. <laughs> well, I am. Now I have to get up 20 <laughs> minutes earlier. I have to find an accordion player. I have a lot to do now so, when I get back so to now. So now you're exaggerating. No, I'm, but, but I'm not. Because if I do a tenth of what these kids just did, yeah, but then, I, I've, then I've started my day right. But I'm just trying to uh, encourage all the uh, schools out there to consider oh, what, we, 100%. what we just heard. And I, I know some of them do it. I know some of them do it individually in class. This was a unique experience. It was beautiful. Seeing everybody together. Uh, what a way to start a school day and what a way to start our show here at JM in the AM. What a focus. What a way to focus your day as a student, to start with these kinds of anthems, these messages, these priorities. What a way to start your day. I also enjoyed the fact that the faculty enjoyed it so much. (laughs) I like that they are as into it as you can imagine. Uh, when when urging the kids on and uh, getting them to sing these songs. I also have to ask Rabbi Guttenberg when he joins us how many of the staff members who were here are Israeli. And I, because there was some kind of unique um, energy coming out of certain of certain of the faculty member as if they were saying, Yes, this is this is our land. This is we we <laughs> All so Americans come from somewhere, but that's our land. It's so 6,000 miles away, but that's our land. So you're suggesting that there is a Miami-Israel corridor. You're suggesting uh, I don't that there think are, I'm, I don't think it's a chiddush on my part. You're suggesting that there are people here in the Miami area, in the Jewish community, who are originally 
from Israel. I think that is a safe assumption. I'm sure it will be validated. Interesting. Yes. But we'll we're going to find out if you're right. Yeah, but we're going to discuss this all with them later. Uh, we certainly will. More coming up at JMM on a Wednesday morning broadcast. I um I uh, there was a thought in my head that I I can't I can't stop focusing for a moment on the way Jewish children start their day. Mm. It got me thinking about uh, again, how every school has to rethink what they're doing. Even the ones who are doing the right thing are doing you know, similar things. I think have to rethink it for these days and make sure that the students are starting off the way they need to. Uh, we have a full lineup here uh, at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami, and uh, we will be um, uh, conducting our broadcast between now and 9 a.m., as you would suspect, on this Wednesday morning at JM. And this is uh, a recent release from a gentleman who was actually here last week. Yaakov, mm. Yaakov Shweki was here in the building. Could you imagine... Hebrew Academy, with over 700 students, had the ability to host one of the Jewish music superstars. Here he is on a Wednesday morning at JM in the AM.
Jam in the AM, a gentleman who actually visited the um, Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami last week. Yaakov Shweki was here for a great concert, I guess, uh, right after the Yuntif. Things really got started off to a roaring start for the full 5782 season here at the Hebrew Academy with Yaakov Shweki and company. I believe Lipa was here as well. Uh, we're at the uh, Hebrew Academy, and we're joined by Mrs. Evelyn Katz, who chairs the board of directors here at the Hebrew Academy, and it is a pleasure to welcome you here to JM and the AM. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. How long have you been associated with the school? So my oldest daughter started in 1984, wow. and uh, now my grandkids come to the school. So you're a Floridian for quite a while. Quite a while. I've lived here 40 years already. Wow. Imagine that. Um, this was a, a unique start. I've done a lot of shows. I think it's over 9,000 morning shows, according to the <laughs> archivist. This was a unique start for us to be joined by, it looked like, over 50 early childhood students and their faculty members for this incredible celebration of Jewish life, I would call it, to start today. What were you thinking as you were watching? Because this is what it's all about. This is, they start at such a young age learning what is important. They learn about being uh, good Americans, being, uh, is, you know, uh, supportive of their country, Israel. They learn about, uh, you know, the values of um, Tzionut. You know, we're a Datitzioni school. And so through what you just saw is how they just begin to learn about it. And this is throughout our curriculum. It's in everything that we do, general studies, Judaic studies. It's a big part of who we want the kids to become when they're older. So what you see now is what they, what we get later. Right. Just, just when it comes to the younger kids, we get to see it in song, exactly. which is a lot more fun. <laughs> um, so now what happens in 2021 when, you know, schools want to stay ahead of the game, certainly uh, be up on all the modern technology and everything that's happening out there that, you know, that, that needs to be incorporated for the students. It must be difficult to constantly be examining the changes that are necessary to stay you know, at the forefront. That's true. Uh, I think we have a history of actually doing that for many, many years. You know, we have a technology committee, which was set up uh, over eight years ago, which really, uh, once technology became such a big part of, of the students, started to look into STEM, look into all of the new modalities, what they call 21st century learning, right. so that our students could really excel in those areas as well. And experiential education, which many people yes. talk about and is always a big topic, I've heard here, it's taken very seriously. Very seriously. In every aspect. You know, they bring in the zoo for Noach, Parshat Noach. <laughs> you know, it starts little, and then, you know, as they get older, they have, you know, different, um, you know, um, things that the kids participate in so that they can excel in presenting, like the Corona, the Cadena initiative, right. and they have we'll uh, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, the school, as we walked in, the first time I've been here, even though I, I have a connection because Mrs. Zahava Sukenik was my aunt, and oh. she certainly was one of the legends here <laughs> for, I guess we call the 60s, 70s, and 80s in yeah. that era. <laughs> that would be, so I've always been connected, and, and yet I never walked in here until today, and it looks like an absolutely beautiful institution with all these hundreds and hundreds of students, but there, it, it's not enough. It seems there's an expansion plan that's in the works and that you're moving forward, not just in terms of curriculum, but in terms of the physical structure here as well. It's it's true. I mean, our school, um, we never want it to be too big because, you know, our kids from 12th grade through the early childhood, they have a connection. The, right. the older kids come and teach the younger kids and they spend time on this side. And so you really want to have that, that, you know, flow from the oldest to the youngest. But now we're over 700 students. And so we're building a middle school, high school 
uh, to accommodate the the growth again and um, we you know we want new facilities more state-of-the-art it's very exciting uh, parents today don't just want a good education they also want Right. To get to look a certain way. The amenities are important to everybody right. these days. Uh, we've been joking, and uh, we're speaking to Mrs. Evelyn Katz, member of the board, chairs of the board of directors here at, this, uh, at the Greater Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. We were joking during yesterday's show about the um, influx of people from other states. And in fact, uh, our whole routine as we were preparing for this trip was telling the audience, just like half the country, we're going to be going to Florida now because everyone else <laughs> seems to be coming. Now. How's that directly affected attendance here for we're in a brand new school year has it affected attendance in a brand new school year yes absolutely last year and this year we received many new students you know however we have students from all over the world we're not a homogeneous group we have kids that speak all kinds of languages we have parents from all kinds of walks of life we have very affluent we have people who need scholarship we give over 55 percent scholarship wow. some sort of scholarship to our students and, and, and I think our kids become sensitive to being with a big uh, variety of people, not just one kind of people. We have very religious people and we have people who just want to learn more, want to come and be, have their kids be in a, in a school where they can grow uh, Jewishly. So, um, yeah, the people that have come have in, increased the numbers and it's wonderful, you know, having them and it's wonderful growing the school. Um, and it just adds another layer of, of who we are. With your permission, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that, that we've met in this forum and ask you, it's well known that your family, the Rohr family, the Katz family, very involved in philanthropy. Mm -hmm. The names are in many places here in Miami and, frankly, the world. Mm -hmm. There are people with capability who stay away from leadership roles like that in the Jewish community. What would you say to people who hesitate to become a chairman of the board, or yesterday as we did at the synagogue, who hesitate to become president of a shul, or who hesitate to be forthcoming with support that they'd be able to, to help an institution like this? Okay. Um, it's, it's really a thankless job, but it's very rewarding on the same end. That's an interesting dichotomy. It is. And so I think that for, for people to understand, first of all, I'm in, in our school, there's a president who's really like the chair of right. the board. I'm just the chairman of the board, so I'm not the president of the school. Um, however, I was president um, many, many years ago. And what it is is just trying to get people to understand that your leadership and your donation just helps in, in furthering the goals of what we want to accomplish as a Jewish people no matter whether it's in the shul, whether it's in the school, whether it's in any organization that does any good for the Jewish population or even for the world. I mean, I think the Jews have contributed in every sector. So we're educating kids that are going to contribute to society as a whole. And that is important. So we want to give every Jewish child the opportunity to get the best education. So that's why you see our names in many schools. Sure. Like we support, thank God, we support the Hebrew Academy, but we also support many other schools because we believe in our children getting a good education and being able to succeed in life, you know, reach their potential. At our school, our teachers are very, very focused on the individual child and, and having them reach that potential. You'll excuse me for doubling down on this, but I think it's so vital <laughs> that you're here and to use your presence to do so. But on top of that, on top of what you just said, there are people who make lists of worthy causes that they feel 
are in fact worthy for them to support or that they are attracted to the support. And for some reason, Jewish education, schools never makes it toward even the middle and certainly not the top of the list. How can we convince people, in addition to what you just said, to consider that their own local school is so vital to the future of our Jewish community? So I think if people understand that little people become adults and the adults are part of society and they realize that whatever gets put into them or whatever they get when they are in school, you know, education, values, and whatever, is the society that you're creating in the future. And I don't think many adults understand that. And so they would probably support Jewish education more if they understood how that's going to impact their community and the society at large. And you know, it's funny, just a moment ago again, we, we witnessed the faculty of the early childhood here. It'll probably be 20, 30, maybe 40 years before they start getting comments back from these kids exactly. about how important a role they had in their upbringing. That could be one of the reasons why people are hesitant to take on schools sure. as their cause because, you know, the fruits of the labor, it takes time to, right. to realize those. You, you don't see it. I've been fortunate enough, uh, enough to be involved and stay involved in such a long time. So I've seen, I've seen these kids grow up. I've seen what they've done in their lives. I've, I've seen the trajectory. And it's, it's really very special to be able to, to, to see that the end game. And you're right, many people don't have that. They, they don't have that. But you could say from where you sit um, on the board, uh, you could say that here at the Hebrew Academy, uh, you're continuing to work toward that goal and thank God realizing that goal. Baruch Hashem. Yeah, and now we have so many young parents that are starting to uh, take on the baton. You know, they're joining That's the good board. to hear. Oh, yes. We, we have, in our, in our board, we have many, many young parents and they're being very active in, in all the committees that we have. So it's, it's very encouraging to see that it's not, I mean, I'm still on the board. I've tried to get off several times. <laughs> <laughs> they keep recruiting you. <laughs> right? But, um, but I think that that, um, that, that it's encouraging to see. And I, I sort of like mentor whoever, whoever wants to be mentored. I'm happy to do that. And, and I like seeing the, the continuity and the, new, the younger people take, take leadership roles. What a pleasure to meet you. Likewise. Best regards to your Thank entire you. family and continued success here. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. A pleasure is right. Mrs. Evelyn Katz, we're at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. Off to an amazing start here at JM and AM. It is a Wednesday morning broadcast. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Segal Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Plenty more coming up as you're tuned into a uh, Wednesday morning broadcast at JM and the AM.
J N N V A N. When was the last time we were in Florida? I don't know. Right, we did the shows from Boca with Nefesh Benefesh, remember that? Well, here we are in Miami Beach. Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. Historic, legendary educational institution. And we'll meet Rabbi Guttenberg coming up. Uh, with us is Dr. Debbie Stone, who is the uh, director of the high school Judaic Studies Department here at uh, it's the high school. It's the Rabbi Alexander S. Gross. The entire school is Rabbi Gross, who those who are veterans of the Hebrew Academy would remember as literally their principal, founding principal, right? Founding principal. Rabbi Gross and the school is named for him. Um, a pleasure to reunite with you, Dr. Debbie it's Stone. It's been a while. It has been a while. One of the most sought-after people in the world of Jewish education just trips over us here in Miami. Imagine that. It's nice to see you. Too. How long have you been here? So we moved over in January. Literally now. Very like, recent. My gosh. Is the school year off to a good start? The school year is off to an awesome start. How do you judge that? Because obviously you're brought in to no doubt improve on what has already been good, the Judaic Studies Department, and to implement new things. How do you know that things are off to a good start so far? So we did something um, different, and I came in the middle of the school year last year. Right. It started in January. Um, I got married at the end of the academic year last year, or close to the beginning, so Mazel it wasn't a good tov. start, thank you, uh, to begin in the beginning of the academic year, and against probably norms and uh, general like, consensus, we agreed to start in January, and actually I think it's a wonderful thing to do when you're trying to think about change, to come in in a brand new school year. And Even in the middle? Especially in the middle. Because when you come in in the beginning of a school year, Everyone's looking to start things fresh. Let's do everything new. And the problem with being a new person yourself is you have no experience, no understanding, no uh, baseline on which to make those opinions and form those new changes. And the benefits of starting in the middle of a school year is you stop and you learn and you listen and you experience what's going on as a baseline. You see what the school is like, you see what the community is like, mm. you see what the curriculum is. You get is. a feel for it. And you really get a feel. Right. And I think that was a real blessing in disguise with all the world as it is <laughs> you know, today. We didn't have so many choices, but actually um, my time from January through to the summer was a really fantastic learning experience to start to understand what the school is about, to understand the goals of the school, and that gave us that cushion time to be able to start the new year as a brand new, fresh start with the implemented changes without um, with a blank slate, right. but also having the learned information from before. Uh, what are some of those changes? And I know it's a difficult question because yeah. not, some of it's some abstract, right? Some of it's general things that are going on. Is there yeah. anything specific you could tell us that would indicate the type of direction you're going in? Sure. So from, from our perspective in the, in the Judaic department, I think the most important thing from a change perspective was to really look at the global picture of what's happening in the high school experience and try to think about as a team and as a group and with student input and teacher input and family input, what do we want a student from the Hebrew Academy who graduates to look like? Right. What is our goal for them educationally, Jewishly, emotionally, spiritually? And with that, we started to paint a picture of what does that mean in the classroom and also outside of the classroom, which is probably equally important from a Jewish sure. perspective. And so some of the changes that have come to light are looking at really what's being learned in the classroom 
specifically from a hashkafa and halacha perspective. We reintroduced new concepts, which are of course not new to the Jewish world, but perhaps new to Jewish to Hebrew Academy in the last few years. Um, and there is a four-year curriculum now where we are progressively working through different ideas and concepts that, again, tend to answer that question of, does a Hebrew Academy graduate come out with the ideals that we hope? So in, instead of going page by, and this is the this is the benefit of being in the breezeway, we have yes. birds and everything flying by. So so instead of a, a, a student possibly, I'm just making a suggestion, necessarily going page by page through a curriculum, through a book, academically, they may be a little bit more experiential or more thematic, as you just put it, something that you consider each and every month of the year. Exactly. There's certainly themes um, developmentally appropriate um, also tending towards the extracurricular and, and out of the classroom programs that we're excited to be reintroducing relaunching some of fresh ideas some are leaning on from the older things that have gone right. well in the past so trips as well as is, is right. especially as we've been away for so long you knew when you were hired here that this school had a name and i don't just mean sure. a name i mean a real reputation i sure did and that's sometimes you know difficult to join a team like that and work your way in and improve on things because they've had a, a glorious reputation for many decades um Thank God. It's uh, first of all the one thing that everyone knows about Hebrew Academy is it's it's fame for being welcoming, and and that goes across the board from the staff to the administration and the parents and the students themselves, and that's across the board. Everyone talks about the welcoming family, right. and that is exactly how we felt when we came to to Miami and and me in particular into the Hebrew Academy. So, with all the uh, aspirational ideas about the history, if you have that warm family experience there's certainly a comfort level there are two we are told i'm sure there are more but two very significant trips to take place halfway through high school and then toward the end of high school where do those trips happen and what's the point of them so the 10th grade have historically taken a trip to israel for two weeks wow directly, when does that happen directly after pesach wow. and i think it's uh, probably the day after israel hug will be the uh, send-off and uh, that trip historically has been about really introducing the students to the land uh, giving them a sense of the geography the history the love of the land and the fun and the experience that can all be captured while you're in an informal environment with the teachers who have taught you the books and the text but really bringing it to life and walking on the ground that you've learned about in the book itself and i'd have to assume that a lot of those kids had already been to israel some not which yes. is obviously significant yeah but even those who have they went in a very different way than the way you're going there's <laughs> never ever uh, there's never a way to to do the israel trip when you're with your family right. the same way as you do it with your school and with your friends um, both from the practical perspective of being able to see so much, tour so much and under the auspices of amazing tour guides and amazing um, opportunities. Um, and then there's the idea that you're with your friends and it's, sure. a, it's a formative experience in a teen's life to be able to do that as part of their developmental growth and as part of their spiritual growth. And um, historically, I've been told and I've seen it in different institutions and organizations that this is a really life-changing opportunity and experience for them so we're super excited for the 10th graders this tell year. me about the 12th graders the 12th graders are going to please god go on a heritage trip this oh, year wow. it will leave at the same time as the 10th grade trip but the 12th graders will head to europe first um and we have had 
wonderful, wonderful support in planning what hopes to be the most life-changing experience um, with our board members. Um, I have to mention Marjan Katz and and Hilary Holland, who have been just wonderful supports to us in helping us navigate and craft the ideas of what this trip has been in the past and how we can move it slightly towards the future in terms of what we're doing. So they will, please God, be going um, to Berlin and starting the history over there, seeing how things got started. Of course, it's uh, heavily involved in Holocaust education, but the Poland trip, once they get through um, Berlin, will take them through the golden years in Poland and the rich Jewish history, seeing all the different wonderful places that not only were disruptive in Europe and destructive, but also the golden age of where things developed so wonderfully for our people. Um, They'll finish their Europe trip in Prague, which of course is a jewel in the crown of Europe in terms of European history, Jewish history, and what is preserved there. And this year, because this 12th grade have had a difficult (laughs) time, it's been a difficult time for everyone, but specifically for them, they missed their 10th grade trip. Um, They will be going to Israel, which historically has been done, but for an extended trip to try and give them some of the taste of the Israel trip that the 10th graders are getting to give them that experience too. So they're they're in for a real treat this year. Absolutely amazing. Dr. Debbie Stone, uh, just remind me, uh, the name of the publication that we discussed on the year is the one you had been... Uh, where did the, you? The Corin and CSY Sitter. The Corin and CSY Sitter, which many, many people have. That You're responsible for that. It's remind a everybody about tremendous that. tremendous blessing. And uh, we actually... Um, we're actually using it in the high school, specifically with our ninth grade minion this year. Nice. Um, the middle school have taken it in to use it in their davening. And as part of our new davening program in our school, we have a separate minion for the ninth graders themselves. And so we've allowed them to come in with the previous sitter that they've been using. And I'm excited to be working with them on the davening and introducing some of the lessons Another that we've learned. Another important adjustment. Yes. Yeah, is very key. Yes. Uh, thanks so much for joining us Thank today. Thank you. And for welcoming us to Florida. Thank Who you Who would have imagined much. you'd be welcoming us to the Sunshine <laughs> State? Welcome, welcome. Thank you very much, Dr. Debbie Stone. And uh, more coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning broadcast of JM and the M from the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami.
Levine and Company at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, and AlchemSegal.com and the AlchemSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Hour number two from the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami, historic, legendary, and very 2021, as we've been learning, as we've been seeing and, uh, and discovering from our guests this morning here at JMM. It is a Wednesday morning broadcast, and we start the second hour with our host. The head of school, Rabbi Shia Guttenberg, who was kind enough to extend this invitation and have us here at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. Rabbi Guttenberg, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. It's a pleasure to welcome you, uh, Nachum, and Stretch, as I, as I <laughs> formerly know you. You're legally allowed to call me that, as we say, because anybody who knows me by that name still retains the right to refer to me that, by that uh, moniker. So thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Nice to reunite after all this time. And also you mentioned to me that um, we would make someone's day if we said hello to listener Heike. Heike Guttenberg, my listener grandmother, your neighbor. Listener Heike is, is likely tuned in, right? If it's a Wednesday morning, likely tuned in. Um, so a big shout out. And also you said we would make someone's day if we said hi to Yishai, Yishai Seidman. I think you said that. Oh, was me. it me who said that? <laughs> Yishai, I think he's going to kill me if I don't give him a shout out. So thank God that's taken care of. And I have regards. Just saw him this past Shabbos. How do you like that? Thank you very much. So you have a wonderful family that's based right around the area where we normally broadcast from. But you have not spent much time in your adult life in that area. You have been on the West Coast, and now you're in the Southeast portion of the United States. How long have you been here at the Hebrew Academy? I'm entering, this is my third year at Hebrew Academy. Moved here two and a half years ago from Northern California. Wow. And did you like that experience, the one out there before you got to Florida? I love every experience in life. It all takes you to where you need to be. Um, But my experience in California was really phenomenal. I was working in a school. I was working in Kirov and Outreach in San Francisco. Um, And then in the heart of Silicon Valley in the day school. Amazing. All right. Um, Obviously, they come and they recruit you. And you know, and we've said this with prior guests already, that this school, Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami, has quite a reputation. Is, in fact, I'm not exaggerating when I say legendary and historic. It really is one of the great day schools and high schools in the history of the Jewish United States. And you knew that coming in. Yeah, it was very humbling. Um, Rabbi Alexander Gross founded the school before the state of Israel. So 1947, um, I remember coming to visit my grandparents, all of a Shalom, Holocaust survivors who lived around the corner, and I used to come daven at Hebrew Academy. So when I first received the phone call, it was 
tremendously humbling to even think about stepping into the shoes of a legendary of Robert Gross. Oh, so you knew this neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, as a tourist, so, saying, I, so yeah. I knew the restaurants. But, <laughs> uh, but you also knew how significant it is. And in the tenure that you've spent here in the last three years, you've seen just how attractive this area has gotten. Right. The growth has been tr- tremendous. Um, so many families from the tri-state area, but also ar- around the country and around the world who are looking to South Florida to relocate, to join. And they want to see the first question that they ask, someone asks when they're looking at a, at a community is not about a shul. It's not even about a mikvah. They want to know the day school. How is a day school? Because the most important thing for any parent are, are their children. Then their finances, right. but first, first their children. No wonder you're getting such a crowd, because in all seriousness, you can't say anything bad about this day school. It's servicing an entire community, you know, the entire gamut of the community. Right. We started six weeks old. We started accepting students. Six we weeks. Six weeks. That was not a misspeak, folks. That you was, said six That was weeks. six weeks. And if you need to come a little earlier, you can let us know. But you got to reserve about nine months in advance. <laughs> so our, our admissions director is the first one to find out when someone is expecting more before the parents, because they want to reserve a spot in, in our baby room. But from the time a student enters our school, they are part of our community, They're, and they learn, as you've experienced this morning, the, the mission and the meaning of what it means to be a member of the Hebrew Academy community. Yeah, it was very meaningful because uh, we got the feeling, and I know that this is the goal, uh, that these students are being indoctrinated properly, and I'm using that word specifically. No, I'm saying that word specifically. I would have used a word, but I would I'm say... I'm using the word specifically because of the way got it's it. being used in the media today. Got it. But here... It's proper values and proper attention uh, to one's own country and, of course, to the state of Israel that's being inculcated into these students early right. on. We always have a debate in, in, in Jewish day schools around the country of do you, fly, f- do you f- um, have the flag of Israel outside or inside? Where do you put yeah, it? Yeah. Um, in California, most of them had them um, inside or hidden. Right. In South Florida, we have it standing outside on both of our campus and the high school across the street in here because it's a value that we're not ashamed of. We support Israel. We love Israel. It's, in, it's integral, and it's so much a part of our curriculum. And the Torah from Israel, the Torah Metzion from Israel, bringing in Shlichem, bringing in Shlichot, bringing in Benot Sherut, making the experience of being a part of Hebrew Academy. And then, as you just heard, about learning Israel. And so Torah, Derech right. and all of everything is just built into it and I wouldn't use in the word indoctrinated right. I, would, I would use it inspired I agree inspired but, no, but I know how you use right, it it's normally beautiful. I would but just today things have gotten so out of hand I For figured sure. why not um the, uh, Miriam alluded to this earlier, the corridor between Israel and Florida. So, uh, I mean, most people know, if you're familiar with the Jewish United States, that there is a Israeli Jewish community here, yeah. um, a pretty significant one, and it seems that it's uh, it, it's, it's part of your faculty, is, it's, it's is in fact our, from Israel. Yeah, it's part of our faculty, starting in younger grades. We, this year, we're, we're asking all of our Hebrew teachers to only speak Ivrit on campus to our students, um, not the just new inside. Development. We, we're working on improving right. the, the Ivrit program, which is because we know um, many, many of our students, they go on Israel trips, they go to Israel after high school, they experience Israel, and we need to prepare them. This year, we have three themes in our school. It's called Hachana, Kavana, and Kehila. That's the theme of our school this year. Hachanah is, are we preparing our students and are we prepared for our students? Are we preparing them for the next stage of their lives? Wherever that may be, technology, social media, college campus, yeshiva campus, from anywhere in the world, we need to prepare them. So that's the Hachanah. The Kavanah is the intent. Why are we teaching? Why is it important to do what we're doing? We encourage students to ask, why are we doing this? 
we ask our teachers, why are we doing this lesson? How can we do it better? Because we understand the intentionality behind it. And the last is Kahila, to be a part of not just our community, but to know that you are part of a larger community of the Jewish people. And these are not themes that you necessarily share with the students. It's the ones you share with the faculty, right? That right. these are the ones that have to be the main focus right. every single day here. Pretty remarkable. Uh, we mentioned 700 students, and you and you and I, of course, have acknowledged that there's been a boom in population down here. But uh, even though maybe overstating the obvious, you have felt it admissions-wise in the school. Yeah, it's been. It, there's a challenge to it. We have a limited space. Uh, we are in the heart of Miami Beach, and we are a campus. We are expanding. We're building a new middle school and high school complex, wow. and we already outgrew it. So we are <laughs> the new one. <laughs> the new one. We, thank God, we already outgrew it. So we 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 are we have limited. How far is that going to be from here? It's right next to the gym. It's Literally. on the same campus. The wow. high school right now is across the street. Right. So we're, making, we're turning the, the school into a campus. That's not just there's a building here and a building here, but it's a full campus on one side. So you right. could be, we have, uh, as you'll hear about our athletic program, but we're building a Judaic-based uh, medrash inside there, an innovation center, an art studio, which makes it into a full campus because we know that we're expanding. And once we're finished with that project, I hope we'll have enough uh, finances to look for the next project because we are literally closed at the door, a unfortunately. A full campus in the center of Miami Beach. That's pretty impressive, Yes, to say the least. Speaking to Rabbi Guttenberg, can I assume that your high school graduates do, in fact, for the majority of them, if not all of them, go to Israel for their year after 12th grade? So not all of them. We have a very diverse population, but the majority of them. Uh, we are encouraging as many as we can. Yesterday, Yeshiva University came to recruit, oh. and uh, many of the Yeshiva um, from, and seminaries from Israel come to recruits um, from our students and we, we highly encourage it. Last year we had five of our students that went straight to the IDF from, from high school. From they, one grade? From, from, grade? from one grade and we wish them the best and we're so proud of them serving um, our people. They're all lone soldiers. I spoke to one of the moms yesterday about her daughter and she said she now has this experience about you know feeling Israel. Um, so Daniela, if you're listening and Tila, thank, <laughs> thank you. It was very nice to hear about our students who are in Israel. And you'll learn about Yom Tzahal, things that we created in our school that really makes us unique. Wow, that's pretty amazing. You hear about schools that have one or two sometimes with five Pretty significant. Right. I don't know if that's a regular occurrence here. It happens every year. There's, there's quite a few. What's amazing remember. is that everywhere I go in the, in the country, I meet someone who tells me, oh, I went to Hebrew Academy. My mother went to Hebrew Academy. We have, think about it. From 1947, mm -hmm. south of Baltimore, this was the first Jewish day school. And I'm, and I'm from Baltimore. And so many people have spent time in this school and have gone on to do tremendous things in the world. And we're proud of our alum and we're proud of our, our I never thought of it like that, but you're right. The southern part of the United States, this entire region had nothing. Nothing. When it comes to a regular Jewish day school, this was the first one down yeah. here. In, in fact, from what I'm learning more and more, it's, I'm, I'm new here. I've only been here two and a half years <laughs> you're a rookie. Com compared to some of them who've been here since 1947 <laughs> or earlier. But from Rabbi Gross's vision started everything in South Florida started the shuls, started all the yeshivas, and, then, and they expanded from Rabbi Gross. He had a vision of taking kids who were normally in public school to bring them and give them a Jewish education. Well, by the way, I mean, not to put you on the spot, but you walk in here, you're, because again, the historic school, you're probably dealing with some administration and faculty members who have been here for decades. Yeah. Is, that, is, it, is that a difficult adjustment? or Without giving my age, there are, facu <laughs> there are faculty in the school who have been working in the school longer than I've been alive. Wow. 
Um, and I, I turned to many of them for advice um, and asked them about their experience and to learn from them. You met one of them, Mr. K, who walked past, who's right. actually my neighbor. And I love you know, walking home from shul with him and just learning about the history of what it is. But it, you know, and walking into any new job is, is challenging, walking into a job with such a reputation in school. But this school has been welcoming, um, and we are partners together. Uh, we look at everyone on staff as a colleague and know how we can support them, how they can support us in the growth of our students. Because I, I tell people that schools are not made for parents. They're not made for board members. Schools are made for children. Yeah. That's it. Not, that, always, not always easy to remember. It's not always easy to remember because, you know, I said that in, in, in our staff week. I said, we are here because schools are for children. It's not easy to remember. It's not easy to swallow. But that's something that I think about daily when we make decisions. I love your perspective and the fact that you have the uh, outlook from both here and from the California experience I think is really significant. Do you, do you see a real seriousness toward Jewish education among Jewish leadership in this country? I mean, I know that there's some national organizations that pay careful attention to it. I know you're probably part, I mean, with Zoom now, I guess, or I don't know what has opened up again, but there are conferences and different conventions that take place where literally the goal is to take people like yourself and share ideas with colleagues. How are we doing nationally in that whole category? So I would say from an enrollment perspective, I don't believe there's been a greater time in Jewish history that there's more students enrolled in Jewish day school. Every school, not every school, most schools are are, are booming. Um, even during COVID, people wow. have re they've realized the importance of Jewish identity, of the, the value of sending your kid to a Jewish day school. It's not, I, I tell people, tuition is not an expenditure, it's an investment. And so Jewish day schools are, are growing. And like every school, we are looking for more faculty, we're looking for more teachers. Um, I think almost every school that I've spoken with is looking for people to go into the Jewish educational field. And so I know there are national organizations that are working to recruit um, young people to think about Jewish education as a career. Um, as, as Mrs. Katz said earlier, right. it's not always re rewarding. It's not always what I forgot her language was it, but but it's but it's internally it's a thankless job, but it's very rewarding. Right, which I thought was very interesting. It's a beautiful perspective about about and you know teachers, our teachers, and a shout out to all of our faculty. They are working so hard because they know it's the future of our people. The number one, you know, sign of what will make some the difference in in a Jewish child's life is Jewish day school and summer camp. Where I met you. Yeah, summer camp is really important. I hate to tell you, sometimes I say it's more important than... Sometimes it is. Oh, so you do get that. Yes, for sure. Summer, summer yeah. camp is tremendously important. I know kids whose lives are completely transformed after wallowing away in school for many years. So. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, and sometimes there are, there are kids who are in public school and go to a Jewish summer camp, right. and then they come to a Jewish day school. We partner w w with the summer camps to make sure that kids can get not just the educational experience, but the experiential experience of Judaism, which is equally as important, if not more. Any uh, Hebrew Academy kids that go up to the Camp Masura, uh, Yeah, we, think we have a bunch of kids. Right. Right? One of our students just walked in over there who's a Camp Masura. That's what it's I, all about. I, I actually <laughs> met my wife in Camp Masura. <laughs> there you go. When, under your auspices, you let it happen. <laughs> I'm, at, I'm your shotgun. <laughs> I, I, how much do I owe you? <laughs> oh, I think my parents paid for it. <laughs> uh, a real honor. We'll speak again before the end of the show. Thanks for, for having sure. us here. And boy, Jewish education. What's interesting to me, numbers-wise, is if I see a dip in a specific city during a specific year, you would say, "Don't you know? Fret not. Chances are, keep going. It's going to keep going stick, up. Stick to your and value. it's just a small dip. And, and yeah. it's in the numbers. What I'm saying, numbers in terms of attendance. Yeah, numbers will likely go up in most of the Jewish communities around the country. Yeah.
It's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Uh, continued success. We'll speak again. Thank and, you, Stretch. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be here. <laughs> can I, can I, I would, uh, if I have 30 more seconds, yeah. when I was in Camp Missouri and you were the, the director, you were coming and inspect all the bunks. And I called my friend, the E.T.O. Goldvich, and oh. I said, what was the food that if you walked in and Stretch saw, I think it was cheese curls there, he would automatically pass your bunk. Don't believe a word of it, folks. <laughs> when is snack. snack? And look at the beautiful snack you provided. Because snack, snack is now. A Camp Minnesota memory with Rabbi Guttenberg. I love it. I love it. Thank, Thank you, you. Nachum. Thank you very much. Great to be hosted by you here in Southern Florida. More coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning broadcast of JMN. By the way, as I mentioned during yesterday's show, today is the yard site of Yosef Ben Moshe Halevi. And that is, of course, um, Rabbi uh, Rosenberger, who was responsible for the mitzvah of shotness being taken seriously in this country. He did ask in his will, I always find this fascinating, that's why we always announce it, because his yard site's on the 7th of Marcheshvan. He asked in his will that because he spent all his time on that mitzvah, he had little time to learn and asks people to study Mishnayis and say to him for him today on the 7th of Marcheshvan. We've been doing this for, for since the time of his passing, a quarter of a century ago. So keep in mind, Yosef Ben Moshe Halevi, Yosef Ben Moshe Halevi. More coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. I'm told that this gentleman, Lipo, was here last week at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. Could you imagine that? Jewish music concert performance with both Yaakov Shweki and Lipa at the Hebrew Academy. Now we're joined. Did you see how this audience swelled like crazy? We are joined by what grade is this? What group is this? What can you tell us? Anybody? What'd they say? The kindergarten of the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. I'd like everyone to applaud for the kindergarten. Come on. They are official studio audience members. Uh, and I believe, am I right, that, that our chairman, Ralph, is going to be giving each one of the kindergartners a, uh, a Nahum Single Network magnet to put on your parents' car? Hey, it's a magnet. They won't object. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it's a bumper sticker. Let's relax. <laughs> so you guys get a free gift for joining us here today as our audience. Yes, you do deserve yet another round of applause. Come on, everybody. We are, we are joined here at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami by uh, Rena Robofsky and Dr. Susan London. They are school psychologists during an era when I'm sure it's very interesting to be a school psychologist either here or in any school in the United States of America. Rena, Dr. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Great to have you here. Okay, let's kick things off. I, I would assume your workload over the last couple of years has gotten a little bit more significant. Where are we now in terms of this whole situation are you getting the idea speaking to students that things are either calming down or people like to say getting back to normal how would you say we are in october of 2021 rita well i think that things have certainly improved um you know obviously over the pandemic it was a big challenge for us as school psychologists and for the students and the parents uh, as well as the teachers we all had a very challenging experience but i think in our school everyone got up and did what they had to do to make to make things as successful as possible. Um, so we've definitely seen improvements, but we're also seeing the aftermath of students who've been home for a long time and the challenges that that comes with both academically and social emotionally. Dr. London, how long will this aftermath last in your opinion? Will it take a lifetime to deal with some of these issues? I think it, like anything, it depends on the person. Right. Um, you have I mean, what I've seen is so much resilience for the most part. And I think... Among the students. A hundred percent. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, kids tend to be more resilient. And um, so I have high hopes. But, you know, for those people who are students who are, you know, predisposed to anxiety or predisposed to depression, like it's going to be harder for those pre-selected kids. But I think for the most part as a whole, our kids through all of it have been extremely resilient and what I did see was just more of a focus on loss like all that was lost because of COVID where in the past you know including time yeah Yeah. for sure so socially emotionally I think more resilient I think as psychologists I'm also concerned just about like academic slides you know what was lost academically because you're not getting the same robust education if you're at home on zoom if then you are in school so I think time will tell in the next few months what was lost academically Zoom here did not last nearly as long as where I come from, right? It was only a few months, or how would you describe how long it lasted down here? 
Yeah, it was definitely less than in some other states yeah. here in Florida, luckily. Right. Um, we were no on joke. Zoom from March until June, and then we started out the following year in right. person. Obviously, we were kind of in and out with Zoom, right. um, especially in the older grades where it's a little bit easier to work on Zoom in middle school and high school than in the elementary level. But we did. We are very lucky that we didn't have such a long time that we were out on Zoom. However, we had a hybrid model of learning last year, so we had some students who spent the year at right. home on Zoom while their teachers were teaching in the classroom to some in-person students and some at-home students. So that was definitely uh, an interesting experience for all of us the here. The break that some students around the country did not get was getting back in September of 2020, which of course your students, thank God, were able to do. Uh, Dr. London, it's interesting what you just said uh, a moment ago that uh, people who came in, students who came in with certain preconditions, you know, or, or you know, ailments, let's put it that way, even, even mental uh, ailments, uh, it was they that you had to worry most about, the same as physically, those who were you know, predisposed to different uh, immunity situations, etc. Those are the ones we were most concerned about in regard to COVID physically. Yeah. It's an interesting comparison. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, and obviously you keep a close eye on all the... Now, before COVID started, <laughs> the focus was more on what you said earlier, the academics and that child or that student's ability to either keep up or to adjust to the classroom environment, etc. I would assume some of those regular circumstances are still being dealt with, right? Yes, which made, I think, the load feel a lot for us right. in the last year, um, especially when we went into quarantine. I mean, that was back in 2019. Mm -hmm. 2020. Oh, beginning of 2020, yeah. I mean, that, I think, was the most difficult because it was just so unprecedented and you know all of a sudden you're in school and then your lives are just completely disrupted and for parents as well and I think our parents needed a lot of support in those first few months. Do you, uh, do you have any opinion whether masking has harmed the social environment for kids or as long as they're in person the, the, the masks is likely not a big deal or is it a topic you stay away from? I think my head of school is, thinks it's a topic I should stay away from. But <laughs> okay, there you I, go. <laughs> because I see, one thing I did notice is that, because you know, I, I always think that it's only up north, or at least states like mine, where students are still asked to do it. But here I see it's, it, it seems like a choice. It seems like people are doing you know, what they feel is best for their family. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed that in the middle school, students are still wearing masks right. by choice. Right. You know, like... I think it's, again, such an individual thing. Right. Um, in my family, when I pick up my kids from school, their masks stay on in the car. They don't right. even take them off. They don't even think to take them well, off. Well, if, you if you're from a state that believes yeah. in individual rights, you have yeah. to grant And as this, I said, right? kids are resilient. So right. they get, at first, it seems like, oh, this is such a big thing, and they have to keep their masks on all day. But they get used to it. And, and that's that. Yeah. Who's here longer between the two of you and... We came at the same time. Oh, same time. Yeah, That's pretty funny. Uh, give me a statement. They were here visiting as the guests of the Hebrew Academy uh, of Greater Miami. Tell me something about the school that you want this audience to know about. I think Hebrew Academy has a very unique family-like environment where we all work very closely together. It's very uh, warm and engaging place to work. And the teachers and the families and the students really become like your family here. So. Nice. She both took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> so you're, you're Rena's both, my work wife. You're both, you're both on the same page. Uh, you're both on the yeah. same page. Yeah. Comes to this. A pleasure to meet you both. They are school psychologists here at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami, Rena Robofsky and Dr. Susan London. Thank you so much. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. Nice to meet you. More coming up. It's JM in the AM on a Wednesday morning broadcast. Hard to believe that it's a Wednesday, but it is, even though we are recording this broadcast on a Tuesday uh, here at, uh, at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. Uh, 
Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zebin of Yosef Levi, and Zechonishmas Esther Bas of Yosef Levi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with morning chizuk. Good morning. From the time Avram Avinu was born, he was pursued by King Nimrod. Nimrod thought that he himself was a god and demanded that everyone bow down to him. When Avram Avinu was still at a young, tender age, he recognized Hashem Echad. He created the heaven and earth and began to publicize the name of Hashem to those near and far. This was extremely upsetting to Nimrod. He ordered that Avram Avinu be cast into the Kivshana Esh, the fiery furnace. The Medrash tells us that the furnace was heated more than usual, that even the servants of the king could not approach the entrance to the oven. They bound Avram Avinu with chains and they threw him into the fire. Hashem made a nace. The fire was cold. Avram Avinu looked like he was sitting in the middle of a garden. However, when the king's servants came to take him out, the intensity of the fire was so great that they got burnt. They had to order him to leave. This miracle left no doubt for believing in the Borei Olam, the creator of the world, for having a Shalema. He saved his faithful servant Avram, and it resulted in extraordinary Kiddush Hashem. Avram Avinu was successful in publicizing the name of Hashem and bringing the name of Hashem into the hearts and minds of the people, causing a revolution among the masses. By the same token, JM in the AM has caused the revolution among the masses, has brought the name of Hashem, publicized the Kel Echad to the entire world, for the past decades, Nachum Siegel and J.M. and the A.M. have not stopped night and day, no matter what the situation of the world was, to continue to be mefarsim and to make a Kiddush Hashem. As Nachum continues his efforts around the world to bring many to Emuna Shalema, complete faith in Hashem, to provide all the listeners with important information, information about the worldwide Jewish community, about Eretz Yisrael, to bring Divrei Torah in the Gune Kodesh that will help to inspire the masses. And now to yet further strengthen the ties of Miami, Florida to the Jewish people worldwide. Nachum continues, as the Sefer HaChinuch tells us, that all of those, all of the people that eventually converted and became B'nai Yisrael, they're all called B'nai Avraham. They have their Yichus straight to Avraham Avinu. That's because he taught people to believe in Hashem. Even if his words didn't initially make an impression, as the years went on, they had a greater impact in the world. So too, Nachum and Jam in the AM, as the years continue to go on, we see the power of the words of Amuna, the words of Torah, the words about Eretz Yisrael that continue to have an effect, they are never forgotten and will forever remain as a source of inspiration and encouragement to Klau Yisrael. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik.
They call themselves the Cole Noir Boys Choir. Jam and the on a Wednesday morning on this 13th of October to 7th of Marcheshvan. And now it's one of my favorite segments whenever we visit Florida, whenever we come down to the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. We get to talk sports. The athletic director of the Hebrew... Oh, they must have a nickname. The Hebrew Academy... What? What are they? The Warriors. The yes. Hebrew Academy. Well, they, they've chosen one of the most popular nicknames in the NBA. <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out in a minute. He is the athletic director of the Hebrew Academy Warriors, and that is Chad Bishop, Coach Chad Bishop, who is in our mobile studio here at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good how's, to be here. How's the team doing? But is that a proper way of saying it? Because I'm assuming you're AD of many different teams, right? Yeah, we go by teams. Almost 30 here. 30? Mm-hmm. And this is high school, elementary, or all of them combined? Uh, fourth grade and up. Fourth grade to 12. Which team has really, I mean, I know that the, you know, the kids are going to be upset that you're singling out one of them, but which team has really excelled, has really built a reputation in South Florida over the last season or two? I'd say a couple. Um, obviously, basketball is a big sport here. We pride ourselves in, you know, just competing, obviously, with the local Jewish schools we have down here, especially since we're the smaller Jewish school down here. Um, we Usually, that's our flagship sport year in and year out. But I think coming on strong for that for that spot is cross country. You know, we're we're young and we're winning a lot of uh, meets lately. Um, we started the program about seven years ago, and we're starting to produce athletes. One right next to me, who who is a runner, who was you know one of the top runners uh, in South Florida. So cross country is quick behind. How long have you been coached out here? It's my twelfth year here at the Hebrew Academy. So oh, yeah. been here been here long before the gym. You know, long before everything was outside when, you know, in those days, you know, where if it rained, you kind of just went, went right on through it. Now, I'm always fascinated because we, of course, in New York and New Jersey, I'm sure you're familiar, we have the Yeshiva League. I'm sure you've heard of it. I know your teams have visited during the Sarachek tournament, right? You've been up there at Yeshiva University, etc. cetera. Uh, how does it work down here? You said that there is an F- actually an official league of Jewish schools, or you just, these are exhibition games that take place? How does, how does it work? Right, so we kind of build in the Jewish schools into our schedule. So we're part of the FHSAA, which is the actual governing body of the state of Florida, um, which means that, you know, that's any, you know, Jewish schools, private schools, anything, you know, right. schools our size will create our district, and then we'll build in the local Jewish schools. And your schools. team's can compete with the oh, other yeah. Florida schools? Oh, yeah. We've won quite a few district titles. You're in. We usually try to, you know, like I said, our, our kind of what, where we judge ourselves on is, is, you know, defeating the local Jewish schools right. down here in South Florida. That's kind of where that's my Yeah, I hear it. You that's your goal. About. That's and my then if goal they're loftier goals, you go off to those. Exactly. Coach Bishop, I don't have to remind you that Florida is known for its athletics. Florida is one of those states that, you know, when it comes to college and high school football, it comes to college and high school basketball, we're talking about some serious athletes down here. No, 100%. We try to, you know, we go five times a week. We take it very seriously. You know, obviously we know it's a rigorous academic schedule, but, you know, our kids know the – what they need to do in order to compete, you know, you know, at, at a high level down here. So. I remember I, I spoke to a friend of mine who moved from New York to a warm weather spot, and I asked him how things are going. He said, it's all about the weather, and now my kid, who loves tennis, can play tennis 365 days a year, as opposed to, you know, being shut in for four months because of the cold and the snow. I guess one of the advantages of being down here, you're always outdoors and always active. No, it's amazing. That's why we were able to, you know, start these young teams in fourth grade fifth grade and kind of go you know we're able to play these sports in the winter that a lot of other schools don't have that opportunity so 
the weather's great. It's amazing. You know, a few months early in the summer, it gets a little hot, but it's good for our kids. They're kind of used to it all. Right. Um, we've spoken a lot because obviously we're visiting your school and speaking about what goes on here on a daily basis. We've spoken a lot about uh, how important the academics are, how important Judaic studies are, how important the trips to different places are, and those are things that are all part of a, an education and academics. How seriously is sports taken at this school, and why is sports so important for kids in both elementary and high school? I think it just teaches lessons that you're not going to be able to get in the classroom. You know, learning how to lose, I think that's one of the biggest lessons I try to teach my kids. You know, you can't learn how to win unless you know how to lose. You know, there's, that's one of the things I tell my kids all the time. How you act when you lose is going to show what, what kind of winner you're going to be later in life. And I, that's the biggest thing that I try to teach my kids. And that's why I want them to take athletics so seriously because it should be taken serious like anything else. But you also have to know how to how to do it how to be a winner i remember there was a uh, a video that was put out you know, you know what videos are because I, I see you're on the young side a little bit. You remember the old days videos it was a video called winning and they spent about five minutes of the video about winning on a colossal collapse that took place in sports a terrible loss because of the same theory you cannot talk about winning without addressing losing uh speaking of winners who are the students that are with you who are the athletes that are with you uh, to your right this uh this uh, morning at jm in the am all right so these are two two of our seniors been with us a long long time uh directly to my right to kiva itzkowitz he's a senior cross country and basketball player and then you got yakira wolfson to the right of him uh, she does varsity girls flag football and also basketball wow so uh, yakira uh, first of all, i was told that there's a uh a JM&AM regular listener that you know of in this audience right now. I'm, I'm shouting out to Danielle Wolfson, right? Yeah. Who, who, you've been t- who, you, who you know is likely tuned in, correct? Yeah, probably. There you, there you go. Uh, how's the football team doing? My gosh, you're on a football team down here. We haven't had a season since Corona, but mm. two years ago, our team was pretty good. Our season got cut off early because of COVID, and, but we were really good. I think we won like two games. We had four games maybe, but we were really good. Nice. And uh, Akiva Itzkowitz, what could you tell us about cross country and basketball? Well, cross country, I haven't ran uh, due to Corona like two years ago, but uh, the cross country um, program has grown tremendously. When I came on, there were maybe 10 kids and now now there's like 20. We didn't have our own meets and now, now we're starting our own meets. We have our own races and we've won up quite a few of them. And for varsity, we're a young team, but, but we'll get there. You're tough. Yeah. Coach, every time I hear about Corona destroying a kid's season, it drives me nuts. It's such a terrible thing what's happened over the last two years. Yeah, it's tough. We were actually lucky last year. We did a little in-house league. Uh, thanks to uh, Shia. It was his idea. We did a little March Madness thing um, you know, in March and into April where right. we got our kids able to you know, play a little bit of a competitive you know, season, say to, so to speak, it lasted about a month, and they were able to kind of get that feel back. So it was, it was good. It wasn't a total loss. So we're, we're glad to be back. Sports doesn't work on Zoom, right? It doesn't. <laughs> Not great. You, you, need, you need the in-person. <laughs> we need a little in-person. Generally speaking. Uh, Coach Bishop, we are now going to pay careful attention to this season, the 2021-2022 season down here in Florida. We have gifts, of course, for you and the uh, athletes. These are some of our official JMAM dry fits. I, mean, I can't imagine that somebody would want to cross country in any, other t- in any other type of uniform so they can enjoy those, so accept those on our behalf. And, th- and to you and Akiva Itzkowitz and Yakira Wolfson, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Great Thank having you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Thank we you, enjoyed Coach. It. Great being here. Thanks for hosting us. More coming up. You're listening to a, a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM as we continue here from Florida. This has been so far an amazing and incredible journey. 
and I want to thank Rabbi Guttenberg for uh, opening up what is uh, primarily one of, as we continue to hear, rightfully so, primarily one of the legendary and historic day schools in this country. More coming up at JM in the AM.
It's a.m. in the a.m. Ten minutes before the hour. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN Alchem Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Uh, Mrs. Debbie Hamburg is the elementary school principal here at... Mrs. Debbie Hamburg is the elementary school principal here at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. A pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And thank you for hosting us here. Uh, you have, and I, look, this is one of the themes. It's our first visit here, so obviously this is going to be one of the main themes. You have the distinction of being a principal in what is known as one of the historic and legendary schools in Jewish America, frankly, and as we learned earlier, the first one ever in the southern region of the United States, which I thought was pretty cool once we revealed that information. How much, how much pressure does that put on you <laughs> to be in the position of principal of a school with that type of past and reputation? Well, quite candidly, I uh, knew Rabbi Gross, wow. and his son lives in West Hempstead, and I know that family as well. So I'm honored to be part of this legacy. I can imagine. Uh, let's, uh, we'll, we'll do it backwards. We've been doing a lot of you know, past and then getting to today. We'll start with today with this whole COVID era that we're in. Um, I mean, I can only imagine the adjustment that principals had to make on a very, very short time span. Uh, or during a short time, so when all of this started. What do you remember about the early days of that transition? I remember a lot of confusion, a lot of disbelief, a lot of believing that it'll be over in a month or so. Yeah, um, I've never lived through a pandemic, thank God, before. And just wondering how I can support my teachers and families and students in the best way to give them a great quality education and uh, just plugging along. Now, one of the things we mentioned earlier, and it's one of the things that uh, we did not enjoy in the Northeast, was a reopening of your school for in-person learning relatively quickly toward mm -hmm. the beginning of the what would be the next semester, right? And I know some families took advantage of that. Others decided to stay home. I get it. There's a whole hybrid situation going on now uh, in the United States. But, but that had to have been a real boost to everything going on in this building when you actually had a student population and kids sitting in front of teachers. Um, I don't want to sound like a big nerd, but I cried. Wow. When I saw children in the room and when I saw parents... That's why we're here. But we um, had two grades at a time come in. We started with kindergarten and first grade. We saw how they managed. Then we waited about two or three weeks. Then we did second and third grade. And we waited a couple of weeks. And then we did fourth and fifth. So after the Chagim last year, we had the entire elementary school here. And uh, we have a very, very big enrollment. And there were lots and lots of kids. So um, it was pretty exciting. And some kids did stay remote almost the whole right. year. And, but the overwhelming majority of them came to school, and we only closed, I think, once, and we didn't really close. We went remote for that grade. So we had a pretty good attendance um, on campus during that time. Now, you mentioned the, uh, the boom in population, and <laughs> another one of our themes. We, we've been joking all week that we're doing what everyone else in America is doing that's coming to Florida, <laughs> although we're actually going back to New York, unlike some other people. <laughs> um, but one of the things we discovered here, it's not just all these transplants. You have a booming community here. A, a, you know, even without COVID in that whole situation, a lot of kids that need to be taken care of now and in the future. So put those two things together, what's been happening in this community to begin with, and then all the transplants. And you have a very big responsibility here. Yeah, and um, I live here. I live in Surfside, and uh, the housing is difficult because people all want to come here. You can have a full Jewish life in South Florida with schools, with synagogues, with uh, just all aspects of what you might have even in New York, and of course restaurants. Right. So um, 
it's really a pretty easy transition, and I do feel that our school mirrors many of the schools that are in the Northeast. So the transition for children coming from certain day schools, like in Manhattan and Queens and Long Island and in Englewood and in Teaneck, it's not so different for them. A lot of the programs are the same. So in that way, that makes the transition easier for families, too. They know their children will be well taken care of in an environment they're used to. Uh, what new innovations, or maybe not necessarily new, but innovations that are now being concentrated on have been incorporated in the elementary school here? Well, one of the things that we have is we have a full STEAM program. And that's a program run by uh, a group of people by the, um, under Nady Gomez and Zaniac. And every single class from kindergarten to fifth grade has a full STEAM program with STEAM professionals. Right. But the other thing I'd like to speak about is a special holiday that we have that we invented in our school. May I talk about that? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> okay. So the month of Cheshvan we know has no Chagim. But we don't like that. We like to celebrate in South Florida. So when I first became a principal here, I had a contest. And the contest was holiday in Cheshvan. Mm -hmm. And a group of students who are now in eighth grade made a day that was dedicated to honoring the IDF. So it's called Yom Sahal. And nice. I actually have a hat for you that we're going to be giving out. <laughs> Thank you. To, sure. That we're going to be giving out to some staff. We have many staff members who have served in the IDF. But we started with talking about, uh, from kindergarten all the way to fifth grade, about the different combat units. We talk about the humanitarian efforts. We talk about the... Um, just the whole point that the IDF is a defense army. And this year in particular, we're going to honor the search and rescue team that came to Surfside. Wow. So we're going to do something special. We try to really make it contemporary. And we have parents of IDF students, uh, IDF soldiers in our faculty. So we have some videos from them. So it's really a full day. It goes from early childhood all the way through middle school. We all dress in IDF clothing and we do like a boot camp. We do Krav Maga. We do all kinds of great stuff. And um, we have Benoche Root young ladies here. And they're helping us. So it's really something very unique. And I think we're the only school maybe even in the world, <laughs> that does this particular holiday. You, uh, you mentioned you're from Surfside. Describe the impact that the Israeli rescuers had on the community in the aftermath of that terrible tragedy. What a question. So, uh, oh my goodness. It was disbelief when it happened, and then the whole community just rallied together to support the people who survived, to support the families that came from all over the world to help find their family, and it was really a Kiddush Hashem, what the Israeli team did. I live in a building in Surfside that's on Collins Avenue, and I live across the street from the shul, and I'm a member of the Young Israel, and those particular, that building and those two synagogues really, really stepped up to the plate. We had breakfast in the morning, we had dinner in the evening, the Israeli uh, team would come just to rest in different places that they knew could be appropriate. It was just it was family taking care of family. Unbelievable. And we should mention, I, I would imagine, just the, you know, do the math, that there must have been families in Hebrew Academy affected by that terrible tragedy. There were families that, uh, I think there were grandparents yeah. that lived there. Um, yeah, there, there were families. And yeah. even if it wasn't a relative, it's family, because we're Certainly. all one community. Yeah, and uh, we're not here for that purpose, even though some people thought we were coming to Florida because we had not yet you know, been on the spot since the tragedy happened. But I'm glad with you, as a sounding board, we had this opportunity to remember just the uh, what the community went through, how the community responded, and as you pointed out, how the state of Israel and its people 
responded. A true Kiddush Hashem to hear you say it from somebody who uh, uh, saw it up close and personal is very significant. So, Cheshvan, we know, now has a holiday. And we found <laughs> this out at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. Uh, and we wish you the greatest success during this school year. Uh, Mrs. Debbie Hamburg is elementary school principal here at the Hebrew Academy. And the continued Hatzlacha. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us. More coming up. Hour number three is on the way at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world of web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app.
Nochi Chrome Band, Wednesday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. We're at the um, amazing Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami, day two of our two-day journey to South Florida. I want to thank our chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum, chairman of the uh, New Jersey chair of the Jewish Unity Initiative. He just, he literally left a moment ago just to catch his flight back to New York, but I want to thank him. And, of course, send regards to his wife, B, and thank him for his leadership and his support and for being with us down here in Florida to witness our broadcast. We have the most important people at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami here in our mobile studio. At least that's how they've been described to me. They are the student leadership. Robert Zoar is here. Robert, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Nice to be here. What is your official position on student council? Uh, president. Nice. The whole school. The whole kit and caboodle. Yes. It's all your responsibility. Uh-huh. You're the one delegating authority. I can't do it without them, though. Ah, so you have a good team, huh? Yeah. Sarah Reinberg is here. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, what's your official position? I'm treasurer. Ni- oh, that is an important position. No doubt about that. Well, are you all 12th graders? Where are you? Where are uh, you? I'm a senior, and uh, they're juniors. Juniors, okay. So you're 11th graders. And uh, Allie Smith is here. Allie, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, And and your position is? I'm vice president. Vice president. All right. So this entire team leads the school. We were under the impression that it's Rabbi Guttenberg and people like him, who we've been meeting earlier today, who are really in charge. Uh, But Robert, you could tell us that that's not exactly the case, right? Yeah. What are some of the things that your student council members are doing this year? Um, We're implementing new things like retreats for the school. Um, in terms of seniors, we're doing senior Shabbatons that maybe were canceled last year due to Corona. Yeah. Uh, sure, there are plenty of those. Yeah. So we're trying to do a lot that the student body wants, but that we can now do again that we couldn't do during Corona. All right. Uh, Ali, any plans for this year? Do you want to share with us? Um, yeah, I think our main goal this year is to just bring back the Ruach to the school that Oh, yeah. Um, I think our main goal this year is to bring back the Ruach and the spirit that Hebrew Academy is known for. Um, during Corona, it was difficult because, like, as Robert said, we couldn't do all the activities that we typically plan and that everyone looks forward to and that actually does, like, enrich our school environment. So this year, we're bringing that back and we're trying to implement new things as well so that we can have that school spirit. All right. And Sarah, what do you say to all this? Um, the same thing as them, and also, this is my first year on student council in mm. high school, so I feel like maybe just, like, I could bring a fresh perspective and, like, a new ideas to student council so we can do different things than last year also. You know, it's funny. We've been talking about how this school, because you're in Florida, has been the least effective of most of the Jewish schools in this country, most least, uh, among the least affected by COVID, meaning that your students, your colleagues, were able to get back here you know, in-person learning at the beginning of last school year. But I assume, and it just hit me now as you were saying it, that even with that, a lot of regular activities that you guys would undertake simply were canceled, right? Yeah. And now you have to try to make up for all of that, which is not easy. It's, Did it, everything get canceled? Did any events sneak back onto the schedule? It was really a, a, a boring year for extracurricular activities. <laughs> I mean, no, we had the classics. We had Color War. We just uh, did it in a different way. Right. We still had, like, like trips, and we brought laser tag to the where the uh, destination of the new building. We still did things just right. in smarter ways. Right. So and now you hope to, hope, hope to open up fully in terms of activities. Exactly. Yeah. 
like we did more things also I feel like outside and yeah. being in Florida like we live really close to the beach and a lot of times you would walk to the beach for lunch just so people can like get out and like do stuff you know so it's not just constantly school all the time so we still have some activities boy I'll tell you I imagine you guys went through this with limited uh, COVID lockdown imagine the kids around the country that went through this with an 18 month COVID lockdown it really gives you a perspective of what kids have had to go through over the last year and a half who knows maybe the country will start to open up fully very yeah. very soon well robert and sarah and ali the three most important people at the uh at the uh, hebrew academy of greater miami high school uh thank you very much for joining us and good luck this year i hope it all thank goes you. well and you're able to incorporate all those great activities thank you thank you and thank you very much for welcoming us here much appreciated uh jm and the am as we continue our visit to the hebrew academy down here in miami um one of the things we need to consider and it's funny because we really didn't have an opportunity to uh, to get into any of this um, during the last year with any of our regular guests about COVID. But imagine if students who are under lockdown for such a short period of time relatively are going through all this. Imagine what those around the country are going through who have not been able to leave their homes to go to school or have not been able to walk into school for the last 18 months. Simply frightening, frankly. More coming up at JM in the AM.
Jam in the AM. Lucky is brand new from 8th Day. Imagine that. Brand new selection from 8th Day. I want to thank our friends at A&H. Abels and Hyman, amazing website, kosherdogs.net. Kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code radio. Enjoy A&H products available at kosher supermarkets nationwide. And, of course, on the web at kosherdogs.net. 10% off with promo code radio. Thank you to A&H. And a big thank you to our friends at GaiaCoffee.com. You want to start your morning right? You take a brew bag off of the Gaia Coffee website, a brew bag out of their delicious-looking box, and toss it into a great glass of boiling water into your coffee mug, and uh, minutes later, you have an amazing fresh-brewed cup of coffee. Enjoy a 15% discount with promo code RADIO by going to GaiaCoffee.com, G-A-I-A Coffee.com, G-A-I-A Coffee.com. Well, Names and Numbers is a program that we are familiar with. It is one that... uh, uh, schools have been speaking about on the air for uh, quite a while, and it's one of the more effective ways for people who are on the younger side to gain an appreciation for what um, their uh, uh, predecessors had to go through. Um, names, what did I say? Names. I said names and numbers? And the real name is? Names not. Names not numbers, I apologize. Names not numbers. And... Um, they get an understanding of what their predecessors, when they were their age, had to go through during a much more difficult period of time. Joining us here at the uh, Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami, um, we have uh, Riley Spitz and Lizzie Ebner. A pleasure to welcome you both to JM in the AM. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Uh, Riley, we'll start with you. Tell me about the Names Not Numbers program and uh, what's been going on here at the Hebrew Academy. So last year in eighth grade, we had the opportunity to participate in the Names Not Numbers program, which we began with learning about what the Holocaust was and the history of it. And we also learned different interview techniques and how to film and record the interview. And each group got a survivor that they focused on and we had the opportunity to interview that survivor. Some groups met with the survivor in person, whereas other groups had to zoom due to the circumstances of last year which was very very meaningful because we had the ability to learn about this specific person's story and we can share this story with the world do you remember who the specific person was that you spoke with so i actually had the opportunity to interview my great-grandfather henry wertheimer great-grandfather yeah wow that's pretty cool and the other students in my group, which was very meaningful to me because I wasn't the only one learning about his story. The other students in my group also had the opportunity to learn his story, which I found very, very important because now not only can I share this story with future generations, but they also have the ability to share the story of my heritage. And it's all recorded, documented, etc. Lizzie, what do you remember about the person you spoke with? Uh, I spoke with Peril Krieger, uh, one of my friend's great-grandmother, and uh-huh. we did it over Zoom, but I still felt that I learned a lot about her. We learned about uh, her story, everything she went through, what she took away from the Holocaust, how her family was affected, and I think it's super important. Also, I, my grandparents or great-grandparents weren't in the Holocaust, so I think... I'm very thankful that I get the opportunity to still speak with survivors of my friends, family, or just survivors in general, because I personally don't have a closely uh, related person that was in it. So Names Not Numbers is always reserved for the eighth graders. It's always their project every single year. Yeah. And um, one of the things I just learned, frankly, two important things that I just learned. 
Number one, thank God, there's still a lot of great-grandparents in the Jewish community, which is amazing. There are prior generations that never would have dreamt that there would be great-grandparents around, and we are enjoying such an incredible era in Jewish history. I would think most eras in Jewish history had no great-grandparents around, frankly. So that's one important thing. And the other one is that you're in an area, and I, I guess you guys know this, as opposed to many other areas around this country, you're in an area that actually is the home. Florida is the home of many Holocaust survivors, and that gives access to people down here to, re to really meet people from variety, a variety of people uh, with a background of having been in the Shoah. So that's another uh, important point, and uh, it's good to hear that it made, frankly, such an impression on you. Who taught you the interview techniques? Who told you this is how it's done and this is how you should do it? So Morgan Reiner, who actually went to our school as a, um, when she was a student here, she, we had a meeting with her and the entire Names on Numbers group we all learned with her and she taught us how to ask questions to the survivors and what to speak about and like what would be considered a sensitive topic and what to focus on based off their reactions. Well, was the training helpful? Would, would your interview have gone much differently if you wouldn't have been given that guidance? Yeah, I think she helped us learn um, how to be quick with follow-up questions also, which played a very important role oh, in yeah. interviewing. I'm sure you know that. <laughs> um, I, I have great appreciation for follow-up <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, she, she went over with us, like, uh, even when they get emotional, like, give them a second, um, and then how to get back to your point and right. get the information you want. You realize that that skill is going to be very helpful, not just when speaking with Holocaust survivors, but speaking with anybody and trying to, you know, get to the essence of somebody, whether it's an interview, uh, some type of job consideration, or you're just, uh, I don't know, you're, you know, meeting, meeting other families and trying to find that and what this story is all about. Those techniques will be very, very helpful. Well, it's a pleasure meeting you both, Riley Spitz and Lizzie Ebner. Names, not numbers. The Hebrew Academy has incorporated that program effectively into their eighth grade curriculum. Thank you both for joining Thank me today. Thank you so much. A pleasure Thank you so much. Here. Nice to have you here. Um, more coming up. JM and the AM on a Wednesday morning broadcast. Let's make sure Riley and Lizzie get some swag. Have you noticed that we have Nahum Siegel Network dry fits here in our mobile studio? Have you noticed that we have Nahum Siegel Network tote bags in our, in our mobile studio? Make sure to take some of our swag before you leave. And certainly, if you think that there's a worthy classmate of yours that should have some, you could offer it to them as well. That's our, that's our policy, and we're sticking to it. Simple as that. More coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning broadcast of JM in the AM. And again, we are speaking with you from our mobile studio down at the uh, Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. A wonderful and incredible historic educational institution in the American Jewish community. More coming up at JM in the AM. Sasain the Kansim Kah, 
חסן וכאן קרה, כאן זזין וכאן שמחה, כאן חסן וכאן קרה, כאן זזין וכאן שמחה, כאן חסן וכאן קרה, כאן זזין וכאן שמחה, כאן חסן וכאן קרה.
Some Haliner, of course, here at the JM and the AM Wednesday morning on this 13th of October and the 7th of Maracheshvan. And Rabbi Michael Cohen joins us in our mobile studio at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. Rabbi Michael Cohen is, uh, is the Director of Innovation here at the Hebrew Academy. And uh, from what I've been told, by reputation, one of the most sought-after people in the world of Jewish education. Rabbi Michael Cohen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Wow. That's What's that like, being one of the most sought-after people in the field of Jewish education? Didn't, did my mother tell you? Is that, <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure out where that She's came She's the from. one who wrote the intro. <laughs> uh, what is a director of innovation? So a director of innovation at a school really tries to look at the entire culture of learning and teaching and how can we find ways to really meaningfully bring new technologies, new types of opportunities, the world changes, how can the school adapt to best prepare students for the future that they're going to basically run? Many of us uh, who look at technology in a simple fashion figure there's really only a couple of things that are dominating society these days technologically, and that's the iPhone or its similar colleagues. Uh, and social media. Now, you might say to me, yeah, but those are two broad aspects that really encompass a lot of different things that are going on. What is really happening? What is happening? Social media is, is the internet for this generation. We look at the internet as uh, maybe how we might shop or check emails and things like that, but, and maybe seek out information. So social media is a huge, huge component of it, the connectedness, the community, the pros and cons with that. Uh, it, it, it just basically expands the, 
the the size, but the same communal challenges exist even when we're when we're face to face. But then you look at the way in which the the world of technology on a global scale is is evolving and finding more ways to empower individuals to be part of the internet, where the keys used to be locked up with. You know the major tech companies, the internet providers. You now see things like blockchain, NFT technology, crypto, which I would say is probably the biggest buzz in the technology sure. world right now. Defining and redefining the way in which uh, creators can create and people can build communities and be part of communities. It's funny because we thought we had gone through the whole creative stage, right? The whole app building stage. Uh, you know, getting people to learn how to code and become part of that whole community. You're saying it's just getting bigger and bigger. Absolutely. What, what happens with a lot of these advancements is there's a, a new technological ability that creates demand in jobs. And then someone who is really good at that job figures out a way to uh, streamline the process. So right. I remember before getting into education, being in web development. And now you have sites that'll just do it in five seconds. The same thing will happen with app building. And now the next frontier is really about this ability to uh, blockchain uh, organize communities and opportunities and different experiences so that it's credible and it's uh, secure. Right, Michael Cohen is here. Okay, so now there are hundreds of students in this school, just yeah. like many other schools around the country. How do you take everything you just told us and apply it to their benefit? Uh, I just got here, so hopefully they're going to give me a little <laughs> bit of time. Uh, but I you think have that a grace period, huh? <laughs> yeah, there, there's a, a couple of things that are really amazing about this school. So one is that uh, there are things that are already happening. So I'm in I'm in learning mode right now. I'm looking at you know how are they upskilling elementary school students so that they know design skills, they know coding skills, they have these 21st century problem solving skills. What is it like in uh, middle school where for the past four years we have students that have been finalists in social entrepreneurship competitions that are on international scales, the Cadena Initiative, which is something that's absolutely incredible. And then looking towards the high school, which is how can these skills and experiments and projects actually turn into something that is is viable beyond the four walls of the school. Well, viable and productive, because a lot of time is being spent on social media that's not very productive, but you're saying viable, productive, and attractive for kids to make it viable and productive? Yeah, I mean, look, we're all, we're all guilty of the social media scroll, the scroll of hours, uh, where did the time go? Yeah. But the, the students have, they have it, uh, they don't know any difference. So they, they have no reference point for what life was like simpler times without social media. So it's something that I think they'll work out. But short term, it is our responsibility to teach digital citizenship, digital etiquette, digital leadership, mm -hmm. and find ways for them to be intentional uh, beyond uh, making great TikTok videos. <laughs> now, we're told that you're very popular on social media, and that's because of which aspect of all this? It can't be that you're making TikTok videos and that those are going viral. What's really happening for you? So I started blogging years ago, and I needed to develop uh, sort of a memorable identity. Uh, I'm glad that I did, because as the name Michael Cohen now carries a <laughs> stigma, which uh, we <laughs> joked earlier, it, it needed to be something where I could be memorable. So I came up with the tech rabbi, and it really fused two things that I love. Oh, you're the tech rabbi. Yeah. <laughs> How do you like that? So the Torah, <laughs> the Torah aspect, the technology aspect, how to, how to merge those together and, and really create, a, I think, a, a meaningful and, and spiritual uh, viewpoint of technology. 
So I blogged, I posted on social, and the following grew. Uh, and not just in the Jewish world, beyond the Jewish world, you know, traveling all over the world before COVID. Now I just Zoom all over the world. But really connecting with communities and, and helping them uh, bring out their creative capacity, help mentor students, and, and really be just really great users of technology in a meaningful way. You know, when an older listener says to me that they have trouble installing our app, my patented answer is ask your grandchild. I'm not that far off, right? That, that like, is we're, the best we, tech I have support. to understand, even though I'm somewhat technologically savvy for someone my age, I need to understand that we're not going to get it the way these elementary and high school kids are getting. It's just never going to happen. Absolutely. Forget the geek squad. You said it, the grandkid squad. Right. That's what it is. And, that, and there really is no other solution. Uh, and, it's, and you know what? I have to ask you this question. I wonder if you're, if you're in agreement or not. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with NFL football. I have you sitting here. I'm going to ask you the question. Uh, someone posed the question, why are so many of the younger quarterbacks making an impact on their teams? When if you remember, well, I don't know if you do remember, you're younger than I am. But remember in the old days, it would take a quarterback years of being primed and being schooled by an older quarterback before they really can establish themselves as a superstar. And it's just the opposite these days. And the suggestion that was made was that young people today are so used to having so many strategies and so much info and so much input and data in their heads compared to the prior generation that someone could actually walk onto a football field in the NFL only with college experience and make an impact. Do you think there's something to that? Absolutely. I think that the access to knowledge, uh, access to mentorship, even distant mentorship, th these quarterbacks today, and really any young person, they're carrying the scope of human knowledge in their pocket, in this little teeny computer, right. where it used to be, you'd have to seek out someone, you'd have to build relationships, which uh, maybe the younger generation is a, a little bit weak on that. But right. that, that ability to, to find... To trade off, huh? Yeah. So we've got to find like, a Like the ch young, young chess champion who will say to me, I'm a chess champion today, wouldn't have been 20 years ago because I have found competition to play against. They're on the internet. Yeah. Otherwise, there would be nobody in my neighborhood I could play uh, against and actually hone my skills. Absolutely. And that's the community aspect of it. I, I'm a nerd for chess. My kids love it. And I, we watch YouTube chess uh, challenges by these, these different huge chess players right. on YouTube. And Never would have happened before. No. And Miriam reminds me about the brilliant young guitarist that we know who's now taking lessons from international guitar superstars. Again, that person would never have walked into their living room before. <laughs> yeah. so. or, or the young drummer who called out uh, David Grohl from the, from the Foo Fighters as with a, with a drum challenge and then they ended up doing not only virtual drum trade-offs but sh they brought her onto stage in LA and she played with the Foo Fighters. I mean that, that the internet made that possible and that is like that's wild. Unbelievable and you need some creative kids who have good ideas and are willing to spend the time carrying them out. What a pleasure to meet you as the new director of innovation at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami we wish you the best of luck. Thank you this is great. Great Rabbi to meet Michael you Cohen. Try to post this interview on your social media. After all, I hear you're very popular. <laughs> what do you think of that? What do you think of that unsolicited plug or solicited plug? <laughs> More coming up. You're listening to JM and the AM on a Wednesday morning from the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami.
with Joey Newcomb before that Mordechai Shapiro Wednesday morning broadcast on the 13th of October 7th of Marrakesh on day two of an incredible two day journey to South Florida thank you to Rabbi Guttenberg thanks everybody here at Hebrew Academy for being so welcoming great to finally be here in South Florida and to broadcast JM and the AM on a Tuesday and Wednesday morning 
Much appreciated. Uh, Andrea Lucero is the middle school principal here at the Hebrew Academy. A pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. And uh, Javier uh, Gonzalez is a middle school science instructor here at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. Pleasure to welcome you good to af- the show. Good afternoon. Thank you for having us. A pleasure to have you both. So I am told that Cadena is the focus of our conversation. One of you has to explain to me what that is. Okay, so Cadena is a global competition for yeah. ideas where kids, kids are asked to come up with a solution for a humanitarian crisis from around the world. Actually, it has its roots in a, something called Cadena Foundation, which is a non-profit, a non-profit organization that was created in Mexico by, by a group of Jewish friends that they wanted to help underprivileged communities, but in a different way. They wanted to do the hands-on help. They didn't want to give money, they didn't want to give anything. They wanted to go to the place and actually help, help the people. They developed and they found out that kids have the greatest ideas that adults we kind of forget that we might have. So they decided to create this competition, which is called Cadena Initiative. And they asked kids to come up with ideas to solve problems from around the world. So we took that project and we introduced it into the science curriculum. And we teach our kids about what the humanitarian crises are, uh, places around the world that are considered underprivileged communities. And then they have to select which community around the world they would like to help and what type of help they would like to give. So right. they develop these great ideas. And right now we are in middle, halfway of their projects getting uh, developed. Already now at the beginning of the year. Yeah, nice. yeah. That's the first thing we start wow. with, se- with seven and eight graders. And we've wow. been working with Cadena since 2017. And I can, I can really, really tell you that we're so proud that every time we compete, one of, a, our, of our kids compete uh, representing our school in sou- and South Florida. And the last the last step of all the project is that whoever wins in South Florida goes to Mexico City to compete with other kids from around the world. Andrea, how important is this for middle school education? Uh, this Canadian initiative is incredibly important. It's an innovative way of learning and it also connects the students with Tikkun Olam which is so important for our values and our school. It also gives them the opportunity to work with students from around the world. Right. You know, I and Mr. Gonzalez have both had the opportunity to travel to Mexico City to compete in that international competition. And it's just an amazing initiative that they've brought to our school and we feel very lucky to have it. And it's, as he said, you know, the students really, they don't have any reservations. They're not scared. They don't question. They just put so much effort and they're so creative with the ideas they come up with. And it really gets them the opportunity to look at other countries and other communities around the world that are affected by these different humanitarian crises. And from your vantage point in your leadership role, you get to see the excitement that they have as they do all this. That must be incredible the way they get into it. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, They love expressing the ideas they have. You know, we have, well, it's been online the past two years, but usually it is an in-person presentation that we compete against other teams in South Florida at one of the local schools. Parents come, community members come, I go, and we're there to support the kids. And they present to entrepreneurs or investors, and it can go as far as to their innovation actually being funded and developed. All right, Mr. Gonzalez, give us an example. Tell us one example of where the kids wowed the committee and where you said, whoa, this is a real winner. Our our first year, our 
Our team, I forgot their names. It's been so long, you know. When you get <laughs> all your Kiva Itzkowitz and you Jonathan go. Acevedo. Thank you. That's wow. why you have a good, <laughs> a great a principal by, uh, by your side. So they came up with this great idea. They wanted to help about uh, landslides. Wow. So uh, they created this arm system that you would put two poles connected with a magnet and a huge arm system. So if for any reason there was this last uh, landslide happening, the poles would disconnect, disconnect and sound the alarm so the people downhill will know that there was some kind of movement on the, on the hillside. And they could take precautions. Yeah, and they actually went to Mexico and they almost won the first prize. Uh, we also had the next year we had these girls, they actually came up with a board game to teach kids about natural disasters, but with a ludic uh, uh, topic. Ludic means that learning by doing games. Right. So they actually created this board game, will teach elementary kids to students about natural disasters and what to do in case they're, they're faced with one. Uh, we also had a group of, of girls that they came up with another ludic game that they would use the back of cereal boxes to create these superheroes, what they were called uh, Captain Disasters. And every, every one of those superheroes will tell kids what to do during a natural disaster. And they will use the back of the cereal boxes because all kids love sure. cereal. So they will all about education, just reaching All about education. Them. And last year, we had uh, one of our girls, they, she actually came up with a necklace that will have the 30-day supplies of all the vitamins that women, are, uh, that women need during their pregnancy. And every 30 days, she will exchange their old necklace for a new one. And it was created in a way that it would reflect the culture of the people that she wants to help. So people would like to wear it. And we also have these kids that for 99 cents, they created a solar uh, lamp to be used in any community. I so mean, this is real it, yeah, innovation. It, so exactly, if you see, that's why, that's the interesting thing about middle schoolers, like, like Ms. Lucero said, they, they're not scared. They're not scared and they, many of them don't realize how far they can go until you push them to do something like this. I remember the first year, the, I think uh, one of the kids from the first year, he was the type of kid that will never talk to anyone. He was so, so quiet. He was afraid of teachers. And by the end of Cadena, you can barely make him stop. It was it. something that really changed his life. And that's, this was, that's what we're expecting. Maybe they, what their project will not win first prize. Right. Maybe, maybe they will. But it'll be life-changing for them. It will be yeah. life-changing. You never and, know any, what they get. Anything happening now, only we're short on time, anything happening now, this year, that's already impressed you, or it's the beginning of stages? We're, so? we're in the beginning right. of stages, but like we said, this kids, uh, they have these amazing ideas, and definitely the sky's the limit. Um, uh, Ms. Lucero, tell me something about Hebrew Academy that I should know before we wrap things up. What should I know about this amazing school? Well, I would say the Hebrew Academy is truly a community. Um, you know, I've been here for almost 20 years wow. in different capacities. And I'd have to say that... Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, it's definitely a place for learners to grow. Um, they come back always. We're always innovating. We're always changing. And we're always, you know, taking the next, next steps into making sure our children's educations are solid and that our kids are happy, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, no, not much more important than that. A uh, pleasure to meet both of you. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. Thank Thanks you. for welcoming us here. Um, a, a discussion about the Cadena program, which as you heard uh, from uh, middle school principal Andrew Lucero and uh, Javier uh, Gonzalez, who's a uh, um, middle school science instructor, is a very, 
very important aspect to the children's education here at the Hebrew Academy. And our final words today, of course, are with Rabbi Shia Guttenberg, who's the head of school. He gets to see K through 12, and of course, earlier than that, <laughs> because we learned that they have six months, six weeks, six weekers here, six right? Weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks. Their babies who are six weeks old are being taken care of here in the school all the way until 12th grade. Um, first of all, thank you. It's been an honor to be here, and uh, it's no joke when I have said over the last few weeks and continue to say today that this is a historic and legendary school, and you pointed out its status as the first one in the southern uh, part of the United States, which I never had thought of, but it's so significant. And um, it, it's not easy to come in uh, in a role like yours and to really uh, make things go forward, to move forward the way you'd like them to, especially, I'd have to imagine, in a COVID era. But based on our visit, it's going pretty well so far. It's going, it's going really well. Um, I'm so happy and I'm so impressed with our faculty and our students. As you heard today, they, they really, you know, every day I'm walking around the school and I learn more and more and I'm so impressed of what they are accomplishing, um, but educationally what they are producing. Because education is not just an intellectual pursuit, but it's what can you now take with that knowledge and become, build, and do, and explore. And as you know, you're seeing here, just seeing in the front of the school, imagine going inside to the, to the walls of the school where the, where the real uh, magic happens with our faculty, our teachers, um, and I say everyone's an educator here. Yeah, no question about it. And what's interesting is, I mean, look, people in our community, and this goes for uh, everybody in the United States, is concerned about the cost of Jewish education, is concerned about the investment that it requires, but the truth is, compared to the era when Jewish education was relatively inexpensive, the students are getting a lot more these days, and you're bringing in experts that really are supervising important departments for you. Right, for sure. It, we, we, we recognize the cost of Jewish education in our school, and we do everything we can, our board and our finance committee, to keep our, our tuition as low as possible. Um, but with that said, we are giving them opportunities. I mean, we have close to 30 athletic teams. Or kids. Yeah, Students are traveling literally all over the world. Um, they're going to California, to Mexico, and to Israel, and to Germany, and to Poland, and to Prague, and to Washington, and, you know, and then to not South Beach, but they're going everywhere else <laughs> in Florida. But we really we, we believe it's important to provide for them and to showcase, and that we need to give them the tools in order for them to succeed in this world. Yeah, I mean, the sports is a good example because in an era when we were paying three, $4,000 for tuition, there, was, there were no sports teams in those schools. Yeah, well, and I, certainly no real I, program. I, well, my sports team, we had to mop the floor and we had to <laughs> run summer camps to like pay for the, for the basketball. And, and these kids also, they, they, they do it. But in order to support 30 sports teams, we're a Nike school and we really, you know, it, t it takes a lot. This is, it takes a, a village to run this school. And we have an incredible board of directors and community support yeah. who allow it to happen. And we got a taste of that today. Um, we met some of the faculty members in both your Judaic department and obviously in your secular department as well, or general studies, I should say, uh, departments as well. But I, I would imagine uh, that, uh, that, that their expertise is reflected in every grade. I mean, the people we met today, you have similar qualifications all through the entire K through 12. Right. We, we, we try to um, have experts, but we also have our, our faculty, which if they're not, we're eager to train them. Um, but what, one piece I, I do want to add, sure. there's a story with, with John F. Kennedy that he was, um, he was visiting NASA and he asked uh, one of the janitors who was sweeping the floor, he said, sir, what do you do here? And he looked at him and he said, sir, I am helping put the man on the moon. And in our school, if you work here, it doesn't matter if you're 
sweeping the floor or if you're fixing, if you're IT, every single person on this campus is an educator and they're an expert in their field. And we also are training and encouraging and modeling that our students look at every single person as an educator. It doesn't matter where you are, you're involved in educating You know students. what you remind me of? I mean, anybody who's, who's honest about their elementary and high school career, how many of us think back to janitors that we were friendly with who were such mentions that they made an impression on us? We learned manners from them. We learned other things that were important in our development. For them, and, and those are the janitors right. of the school. And, so. and they're the maintenance crew, and they, right. they start here at 4 o'clock in the morning. And so really thank you to them for maintaining our school. During COVID, we asked them to do things which were... Oh. Crazy and bizarre, and they imagine. did it. And so, literally, everyone here is an educator, and everyone is involved in raising our kids to the best that they can be. And you have a potent security staff here. Yes. I don't know if that's because of the Jewish nature of the school, or in Florida in general. We know that there have been some disasters down it's, here, unfortunately. It, it's both, and we and we also want to ensure a sense of security to all of our students, right. and the parents, um, and the parents, and the parents as well. And so, we have a that's a very important department. We have a very important department. We don't talk much about it because right. it's best not to, but. But our, our, our chief of security, um, Kafir Woods, is really has an, an incredible team, and we feel extremely safe. In I, our I'm school. bringing it up mostly because of the theme that you just mentioned, that, that even they made an impression on us with their friendliness and their hospitality, even though they're For in sure. a position where they don't want strangers like us walking into school. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I asked. I said, did they, did they let you in? Because I tell them to let you in. But, you, but they, their, their job is to protect us, and, and they're the ones, if God forbid, anything right. happens, they are the ones who are the first ones on, on the line. Of course, no question so about we thank it. Thank them as well. Uh, our final moment to the Rashai Guttenberg, who's head of school here at the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami. Okay, so we mentioned a couple of times during this broadcast that those who are, and we have Floridians obviously who are listening, but others are tuned in as well who visit Florida and see it. Your campus, which now is a campus, but it's going to be an even more real campus coming up. What's the expected timeline on this whole project? We hope before the, the next Chagim, or right after Rosh Hashanah. New school year. Next school year, we hope to move into our new building. You know, in South Florida, you never know with construction. Right. Um, it makes New York <laughs> look very different, but really, we, we really hope that, next, that by next school year or if not after um, Sukkot, we can move into our new 40,000 square foot middle school and high school complex, which will be state of the art, which is, but the truth is, as important as the building is, what's more important are the people that are inside of it. I get it. But that the energy, I would assume, and excitement oh, for sure. that you know, develops when one sees the students and teachers see a new right. project being built, that must be really exciting. When we're done, I can walk you over and show you, show you the expansion that we're, that we're heading it's in. It's going and, well already? It's going very well. We're on the third floor of, of the building. We're building a, a rooftop terrace, which will look over the entire Miami. Um, I really want to thank all of our board members, especially um, Mr. Mark Hershkowitz, who's been very involved in that and, and the development... Uh, committee of the board who really have been uh, spearheading it and also the philanthropists who have put their money um, and effort and energy into making sure that happens and there's more opportunities if anyone's out there to help contribute we're, we're still not we're not Moshe Rabbeinu who's turning away gifts we're still we still we still need more to make to make the completion happen and uh, and we should mention that uh, even though I usually turn to rabbis of synagogues to do this you're more than willing to give a positive note to our audience about life down here in south florida it seems like it's yeah. it, now, now i understand why more and more people are exploring it right south florida is a great place to live you can live jewishly here and you could um, experience the weather and you you'll never have to shovel snow down here. <laughs> that's uh, that's a guarantee right uh, rabbi guttenberg thank you 
Thank you. Thank many, you, many thanks. Thank you, Stretch. <laughs> I appreciate that. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web, and AlchemySingle.com, and the Single Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Well, we started with Hatikva when the, when the young people from the Mifkad joined us, the early childhood members here at Hebrew Academy. And of course, we end with Hatikva because we've done that every single day for the last 38 years. That is our theme. Uh, tomorrow, Thursday, we're back in studio, believe it or not. Yeah, our trip to uh, Florida is ending. And uh, tomorrow, Thursday, we're back in studio, JMNAM, between 6 and 9 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in. And a big thank you to everybody at Beth Israel Congregation and the Hebrew Academy of Greater Miami who welcomed us with open arms as we got to learn even more, just like everyone, everyone else around the country, even more about the beautiful Miami Beach community. Have a fabulous Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.